0: Welcome to the Color and Chaos podcast. My name is Jonah, and it is such a honor that you are tuning in, whether you're watching it or listening to this right now. The fact that you are here, my hope and my prayer, I say this every week, but my hope and prayer from this is that this will produce within you a a, a courage and encouragement that no matter what happens this day, no matter what you go through after you listen to this or what you're going through as you listen to this or watch this, no matter what you're going through, that this can be real irrelevant, and it can meet you no matter where you're at and hopefully provide a bigger picture than what we so often settle for. And that what we have going on today does not have to be a burden, but it could be a blessing. That we can be able to see a color that could come out of no matter whatever the chaos that's going on around us in in our loved ones or even in our own hearts, in our own minds. And so that's what color and chaos stands for. It stands for this, this heart and this burden to bring a color out of chaos. Why? Because there is such a bigger perspective. There's such a bigger picture than anything, anything that we can create on our own. And so, in saying that, I am super excited about today, um even where we're at, right now, I'm recording this in the month of September. September just started. And September is such a beautiful and a uh, such a big uh, big month in my life. And the reason why it is is because two years ago, September first was when I moved up here to Michigan. And for those who don't know, um, I'll go into a little bit of why that's important uh, through this new series that we have started today. Um, but just a quick uh, quick overview of why September is important and why the move to Michigan was so important. As for about three years before the move up here to Michigan, I felt the Lord stirring something within my heart of a burden for the state of Michigan. And I didn't know anything about Michigan. I didn't have any uh, connections, any friends, any family that were up here in Michigan but the Lord started developing a heart within me um, to, to move up here and to do life up here and to, uh, to, to tell others about him. And um, there's something I didn't understand, but as every day got closer to me moving up here, I started to understand it more and more and more. And that kind of encouraged this, this new series that, that we're going to start today. And it's something I've been thinking about and praying about for a while. And the name of this new series is called Patchwork. Patchwork. And when I was thinking about um, what to do next on this podcast, I started thinking about, especially um, if you don't know if this is your first time watching or listening, I'm a huge journaler. I have a whole backpack full of journals um, from 2011 all the way till now. And I have a huge backpack of journals, and so often I'll go back and read over these journals and see what the Lord has done in my life and, 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 and the growth and the moments of highs and lows that, that has happened within the life that he's given me. And I'll see moments that really um, were defining moments in my life that, that produced a perspective and produced a worldview that, that it is what it is today. And so often, ever, especially since coming up here to Michigan, but so often, ever since giving my life and saying, "Lord, you know, take my life. I'm done. My life is yours," and asking Jesus to be Lord um, of my life and for Him to be the 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 way that I see this world through His Word and through um, who He is. And ever since that moment, um, I've been asked a lot of questions through the years, and one of the biggest questions is, for one, Jonah. Uh, why do you believe what you believe? You know, like what 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 can you link it back to? And you know why? How do you know the Bible is real? And why do you trust the Bible? And why why do you why do you follow Jesus even though you can't see him? And there's always so many questions. And and I completely understand that because honestly, I had all those questions um, before uh, 2011 in June when I finally got my knees and said, You know, take my life. I'm done. Um, And so in saying that, I thought about starting a series where I look back in my life and I I just take you along for the ride and share with you moments within my life that I can clearly look back on now and see how the Lord was shaping me and and renewing me and bringing me to him every step of the way through through the best of times and through the worst of times. And hopefully through this new series that you can see a little bit of yourself in this. Whether you say Jesus is Lord and I my worldview, the way that I see this world and the way that I see others and the way that I see myself and the way that I see my day-to-day it is through the lens of looking at the scripture as truth and looking at other people as the scripture says and looking at Jesus for what the scripture says, whether that's you or you're someone who says, look, that is definitely not the way I see the world and nor do I care to see the world through that lens. No matter where you're at, I know that this can be able to... To bring you along and hopefully expand, our, uh, expand our, our perspectives and worldview. And maybe even challenge our perspective and challenge our worldview. And so in saying that, when I thought about the very first episode of this new series, Patchwork, I thought immediately back to childhood. It's kind of hard not to, right? That's that's where it all begins. That's where that's where we start to um, build a foundation for the rest of our life and start to to build a foundation honestly for for how we will view this world and view um this life that we have. And so, and saying that, um, if you're watching the video part, I'm going to put pictures um, up so you can kind of walk alongside um, this. And um, I'm going to start with a picture of me and my mom, me and my mom. And I'll go in a little bit of a background of my mom to help maybe give a little context of a, of, of, of not only me, um, but just what, what the family was like. And so this is a picture of me and my mom. And when I think about my mom, I think of someone who – um, has such a beautiful, beautiful heart, one who truly desires in, in, the, in the core of her. She desires peace, and she, de- she desires intimacy, and she desires just vulnerability. But when I look at my mom as well, I see that all through her life, all through her childhood, she didn't have much of that. My mom grew up with a 100% Sicilian father and 100% um, German mother. And the way that my mom's dad uh, was raised and grew up was a very strict Italian family. Very strict, very high on discipline, very Catholic, very um, family-oriented, but also very um, militar, uh, militaristic um, in, uh, in discipline and, and just behavior and... and, and basically what you can kind of imagine from a Sicilian household. And the way that my mom's family was, um, was uh, comes from a lot of uh, proper, especially coming from Germany, a lot of expectations, a lot of uh, family as well. And the thing about my mom that is, is always something that stood out to me, especially the, the older that I get, is that my mom grew up uh, not really knowing her mom. And it's not because her mom left or it's not not because uh, the, her parents got divorced or anything like that. But her mom actually died um, when, when my mom was very young. And so growing up, my mom did not know um, her mom very well. And so she was raised by her father, which um, her father, especially with all that that was going on, uh, always resorted back to the way that he was raised, which was very strict, very disciplinarian. Um, very abusive in that way. And so my mom grew up with uh, two older brothers and um, an older sister. And so when I look at my mom, and uh, especially looking back at this picture, I see a, a, a woman who was deeply scarred. Um, deeply hurt, but also trying to work it out in a way that would not humiliate um, her family or the name or the honor of that legacy. My mom cares so much about family. And my mom growing up, um, she, she actually left home at 14. She left home around 14 and went to go live with her brother and that was when she was living with with uh, her brother. That was in around Asheville, North Carolina, and so that got my mom in that direction. And through that 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 time with her brother, which was my uncle. She, she, she started to grow, and she also—that um, was the very first time she ever heard that you can have a relationship with Jesus. And so that's a little bit my mom's background. But because of the way that my mom was raised and all that she had to endure, she had so much scars within her. She also struggled with anxiety. And through that anxiety—I remember she shared this one story with me that always stood out. And it was a story of when she was around my age in, in her 20ish um, and mama if I'm if I'm butchering this you know please please correct me um, but she was she was around my age and she shared with me the story that that she struggled with anxiety so bad that sometimes she would go back to her apartment and lock the door and almost get into a corner and just cry and just to be so, she was so overwhelmed just by just being out. And um, that's something that always stands out to me because I look at my mom now, I look at um, when we were growing up, just all that she had to go through and all that we went through as a family and how my mom truly was still that little girl just trying to figure things out and trying to process all these wounds within her that she didn't know um, how to to get help with. And this is a picture of me and my dad. I really like this picture um, for one because he's uh, filming himself, I guess. It's kind of a crazy picture. But I'm also looking up to him. And growing up, um, when I think of my dad, I always think of my dad also, just like my mom, trying to create peace, always trying to create peace, always trying to um, work things out and just, you know, have things uh, to, to, to be okay in order for there not to be any conflict or any tension. Um, my dad also is a huge jokester. So I, I learned a lot of my humor from my dad. And so growing up, my dad grew up in North Carolina. He grew up to um, a family um, that uh, he has a older sister and a younger brother. And through this family, they were, um, they were a strong believers, strong followers of Christ. And his dad was like the only dentist in this little southern town. And uh, my, my, my dad's mom, so my grandma, worked at a bank. And so when I think about my dad, I think about all that he had to go through growing up. My dad was hospitalized a lot of his life. He has a leg perthes disease, which is when your hip bones do not fully go into socket. And actually, I had that disease as well. My dad got diagnosed a little later than I did. I got diagnosed more when I was um, around five, six, around that time. So it was before puberty, so I had a lot of opportunity to to kind of grow out of it. Even though I still struggle with it, and I will struggle with it for the rest of my life, um, I didn't have it as severe as my dad. I never had to be hospitalized, um, but I did have to um, go to to Shriners Hospital to um, to to get it checked, and uh, that went all the way to 18s. Because uh, if you know anything about the Shriners Hospital, it's free um, for children; it's completely free. And so I went to that all the way to 18. But my dad actually had to be hospitalized because it was so bad that he could not walk on it. And so not only that, but he was hospitalized for that, but he was also hospitalized because he actually burnt himself very severely on his arm. And by the grace of God, my dad um, did not have any other damage besides his arm, but he had to go to the hospital, get a skin graft and heal up with the, the third degree burns on, on, on his shoulder. And to this day, If he takes his shirt off, you can see just the the harsh just scars with on his on his arm. And my dad and my mom, growing up, all that I can remember um, was for one that they always try to make it work. They always try to make it work. They always tried to bring a unity within the family. I learned a lot of a sense of family and loyalty and um, and intimacy through my parents. They always, 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 always strived. No matter what was going on between them two, they always strived to bring us as children together. I have the two older brothers, me, a younger sister, and a younger brother. So we had a pretty big family. We have a pretty big family, and they always stressed the importance of of being together, being unified. But also through my mom and dad, they always bickered. They always fought. My mom had so much wounds, and she didn't know how to how to get get that sorted out. And so she resorted to what she knew best. And that was through trying to take charge and trying to to, to, to make things go as smoothly as possible. And my mom has such a beautiful heart in doing that. But then also in my dad, he also wanted to lead. He also wanted to to provide for the family and, and create peace as well. But the way that they went about it were two different perspectives, and it just created a lot of hostility and turmoil within the family. And so growing up, there was, there was for the most part, always turmoil. And I'm not saying that as, as, as anything derogatory or anything, but just being honest with you and bringing you into what I was raised around. I was raised around a lot of chaos in that way. And, but at the same time, I was also raised around a mother that no matter how, um, how bad she messed up, she would always, and this is something that always stands out to me. And it really made me who I am today in a lot of ways. It made a lot of us in the family, the way that we are today, but my mom, no matter if she let her temper get the best of her or anything, she would always make it a point to, to come into our room at night. And to to lay down next to us and apologize. Sometimes she would apologize over tears, and that's something that's always stuck with me. Because no matter what happened and no matter um, what was going on in my heart as a child or or growing up uh, throughout my time at home, that she always strived to bring that peace. She always never wanted us to go to bed uh, go to bed hating her, or feeling bad or, or upset. And that's one thing that I can always see. And so with saying all that, that's where I came from. I had a lot of a a lot of family, but also a lot of chaos as well. And at the same time, through the chaos of my mom and dad always fighting, we as siblings drew together in order to uh, to to not be as affected by it as as possible. And so that's what we had growing up. This is another picture of us. And this was uh, towards uh, 10th grade, 11th grade in high school. And during this time, I, uh, I was going through uh, a lot of uh, typical high school um, internal conflict in the sense of uh, trying to figure out who I was, trying to process a lot of the chaos at home. And uh, so this picture, I think about that. The thing about me that, um, that was a result of mom and dad especially, was that I always tried to use humor in order to diffuse tense situations. And and I still do that to this day. I always resort to humor because I hate conflict. I hate conflict. I, I, I'm okay with, with conflict if, if there's a purpose to bring a good out of it. But just conflict, just f- because of disagreements and and with no purpose in mind, just just. I, it eats away at me because all, pretty much all my life growing up, that was all I was around. And so in this picture, I see myself, um, I, I remember the context of this picture. There was some bickering going on and stuff. And I put myself in a floaty just to try to make everybody laugh and, and to ease a situation. But in reality, I can do that on the outside. But inside, I struggle so bad to do that. It seemed like I can never stop the anxiety and the tension and the, um, just all of the wounds within me as well. And so this picture stands out to me, but I say all that to say that this, this series of patchwork and patchwork means small pieces of cloth that, that, that even though they're in different designs or colors or textures, they, they, they come together to compose um, a, a big picture, something, a big work of art. And so when I was thinking about patchwork, I was thinking about all the things that made me who I was. Family was one of them and maybe you as well. Maybe maybe you look back and you see your quirks or you see who you are and your personality and and your traits and you can link that back to your family. You can link it back to the good and the bad of your family. And also, I, I look back and I see a lot of um I see a lot of art within my life that I was exposed to, that also produced my personality and produced a lot of the ways that I see this world and and the way that i that that I process things. And when it when it comes to it comes to my mind, uh, art, I think of music. I am a huge, ever since a young kid, a a huge music nerd. I love music. I always had, um, before the MP3 days, I always had the CD player. And pretty much everybody in my family, uh, brothers-wise, we would share the CD player. And so growing up, I listened to so many things. One of my favorite bands um, that when I think of childhood, I think of this band. It was Linkin Park. Linkin Park. And if you don't know uh, the band Linkin Park, Linkin Park was a huge band in the early 2000s. And the interesting thing about Linkin Park and that, which brought them a lot of success, and to this day, um, they're still very successful and still making music for the most part. Lincoln Park they 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 prided themselves in taking a lot of different genres and mashing it together and to create something outside of the box of what you would think of as maybe rock or rap or um, or hip hop or electronica and they would fuse it all together and they would create this this beautiful work in my my eyes. I mean, I remember Lincoln Park. I remember one of the memories that stand out to my mind. I remember the very first time I heard their very first CD Hybrid Theory. And I remember this CD was huge during that time. Almost everybody um, in in the schools had the CD. It's one of the most um, top selling CDs of all time. It's it's a CD that went diamond. So it means 10 times platinum. And so if you know anything about music sales, that's huge. There's not, to my knowledge, I don't think there's really any diamond um, um, rock CDs from this point um, on within music history. And so Lincoln Park was always huge to me. I remember um, being in second grade, sitting on the bus. Um, I was chaperoning with my dad. My dad was a school teacher, and sometimes he would take us with him on field trips. I remember sitting on the bus, and this guy next to me that was uh, in seventh grade, because my dad was a seventh grade um, seventh grade teacher, he was sitting on the bus, and he was listening to the Lincoln Park album. And I, I told him I really liked Lincoln Park, and he was being nice, and he let me listen to it. But I remember I listened to that CD all the way up to where we were going, which was like an hour and thirty minutes away, and I listened all the way back, and I feel so bad about that poor guy. Like I took away his only entertainment. Like this is before smartphones and and all that stuff. Like the only thing he could have had was maybe a Game Boy. But even when it got dark, he couldn't see the screen anyway because it wasn't backlit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just remembered Lincoln park and, and when I look back in Lincoln park, I I see so much how the Lord used that band and, and the people in that band to create, to just create a desire within me to produce art and to write lyrics. And to this day I do that and, and poetry and, and to draw and, and even the music that I create, the, the song that you hear at the very beginning of all these podcasts, this is just one out of so many songs that I've created through the years. And pretty much ever since middle school, even to now, this keyboard you see behind me isn't just for show. I, I make music on this, and that guitar, I'm learning guitar. And a lot of that could go back to the Lord using a, a band that, to my knowledge, I don't think any of the members profess Christ or, or Jesus as Lord at all. And um, But the Lord used that band to create, create within me so much just desire to create something. And I think back at that, I also think about other things that I listened to. Um, another thing that a uh, person I listened to was Eminem. I listened to a lot of, a lot of Eminem growing up. Eminem, I listened to Limp Biscuit. During that time, early in 2000s, there was the new metal movement. And what that was, was a lot of, um, of rap and funk that was infused with metal. And so I listened to a lot of that. That was one of my favorite genres. And, and I, I think about that. I think about TV shows that I used to watch. I used to watch a lot of, uh, like, um, the MTV Fuse, um, Nickelodeon. I, I used to watch a lot of that. And, um, and when I think about all, all of this that, that made me who I am, I could go on and on and on, especially about bands. And, and honestly, when I, when I think about all of that, I was exposed to Christianity. I was exposed to church. Um, I I said the prayer of salvation, which was, you know, I admit Jesus is Lord and I I know I'm a sinner and I know he died for me. And, you know, I'm asking Jesus to be Lord of my life. I I said that prayer at age five, but in reality, I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. I I didn't, my heart was in his, if anything, I I said a prayer and I believed it when I was five, just like I believed in Santa Claus, but it was nothing truly firm. There's nothing really there. And when I think about that, I think about when I was growing up, there was very few voices in my life that, that were followers of Christ, that were speaking truth into my life through the scripture at all. I remember one of the memories when I think about um, growing up that, that, you know, it's something so little, but it really, it really meant so much to me. My dad um, he went to work about an hour away, f- all the way till I was in sixth grade. We lived about an hour away from his school that he worked at. And I started going to that school um, around that time, and I would start to ride with him in the truck. And in the truck, my dad would listen to either two things. He would listen to sports radio or the news, or he'll listen to um, a, a music through a, a, a radio station that made it its mission to share and proclaim the name of Christ. And so they had a lot of music, which you would call in quotes, Christian music. And I remember one song specifically, and it was a song by an artist that, to this day, is one of my favorite artists, and one that I consider. This sounds kind of weird, but I consider this artist my lyrical mom in a way, because she inspired me so much, um, especially after giving my life to Christ. But she inspires me so much to cre- create um, um, poetry and lyrics that that are real and genuine and honest and not sugar coated. But It was an artist. um, She goes by the name. She still makes music. Nicole Nordeman, and she had this song on the radio around this time that I remember this memory. And it was a song called "Holy." And there's a line in the song where she says, "How many, how many half-empty truths did what was I was basically I was surrounded by until the truth was disproved in the end." So she says, "All these like truths that were empty that I was exposed to." That ultimately, over time, she's looking back on her life, she's saying, over time, they were proved to be not true. But I was exposed to them. And and, and she goes on to say, you know, now, you know, I, I can see all that you've brought me through in my life. That all you ever wanted was me on my knees, just crying out, you are holy. You are holy. And she's, she's just saying that in such a poetic way. But that was a song that even when I wasn't following after Christ and I could care less about him, that was a song I would always go back to. And there's something about that song that was so real and raw to me. And it was something that I always wanted, that what, what, what she was talking about, that that Jesus, that Jesus that was real, that Savior, that creator and sustainer, that who she was singing about in that song was what I created, prayed for and, and, and wanted, but I just didn't even know it yet. And I settled for so much. When I was thinking about the series Patchwork, I was thinking also about you, you that are listening to this, and thinking about how every single person that I meet, they have a story. There's something about their life. There's something that that made them who they are. And so often we fail to figure out or to hear the story of the people that we meet, but instead we're so quick to judge them or so quick to um, already have a preconceived notion um, about who they are just based on just mere appearance. But in reality, who people are goes so much deeper than maybe where they're at when we meet them. And I was thinking about that and also thinking about the whole concept of what makes, what makes something holy? What, you know, when I look back at my life, you know, all the times that when I wasn't following after Christ going up to 2011, you know, I, looking back, I can see the Lord working within my life. But it honestly, it also can make no sense, that statement, because when I look back, I, I wasn't really in church. I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't listening to, you know, quote unquote, Christian music. I wasn't, you know, around really Christian friends. Um, for the most part, but I was exposed to so much brokenness. My family, it, it wasn't like we, we, you know, encouraged one another in, in the ways of the Lord, in the ways of the Word. Um, you know, we prayed together, I guess, you know, but it wasn't really anything, you know, at least to me, it wasn't anything that was, you know, um, relevant. It was just something that you did. It was more cultural than anything. And looking back, I sometimes I ask myself, you know, God, how is it that I can clearly see you working in my life, but I wasn't doing the the things that you would think that you would be in? And I think about a quote, um, actually going back to Nicole Nordeman off of her newest CD. She has this quote in a line that I want to um, I want to share this. Share a couple more quotes from other songs. And and that proves a huge point of what this episode is about. And so she says this, and off her newest CD, it's off a song called Dear Me. So she's speaking back to herself when she was younger, almost writing a letter to herself back then, wishing that she would have known then what she currently knows now. So she says this, she says, and you cannot imagine all the places you'll see Jesus, but you'll find him everywhere you thought that he wasn't supposed to go. I'm going to read that one more time. You you could not imagine all the places you'll see Jesus. And so she's writing to herself from the past. She's saying, you'll never imagine all the places you'll see Jesus, but you'll find him everywhere you thought he wasn't supposed to go. And when I think back on my life, and, and and I want to invite you to do this as well with where you're at right now, whether you are a follower of Christ or you're not. But when we look back in our life, It could be so easy to say, okay, well, when I was messing up or when I wasn't living for Christ or when I could care less about um, my creator, savior and sustainer, when I was doing things my way, when I was blowing it, when I was making when I was making just tons of slips and falls and mess ups. And maybe even now you might be saying, you know, right now I'm currently in my life. I'm in chaos. I'm in a wreck. I made a mess out of my life. And it's so easy sometimes to look at those moments and say, okay, yeah, well, the Lord's not clearly with me because it's clearly my life's a wreck and there's so much chaos. But in reality, with going back to even what this song just said, it's saying that you'll never imagine all the places you'll see Jesus where you, weren't, where you thought that he wasn't supposed to go. And the reality is, is that the Lord goes wherever. There is nowhere that we can keep him out of. It makes me think about my favorite uh, part in the scripture, which is Psalms 139, and there's a part in there where it says, even darkness is light to you. And and what David is saying, saying, Lord, even when I'm in darkness and I'm, I'm trying to hide myself from you, I'm so exposed before your eyes that my heart, my life, my who I am is laid bare before you. I cannot hide. I cannot run from you and i think about that i think about earlier in my life the exact same way and how everything that i went through the lord was with me through the highs and through the lows the moments when my parents got divorced the the moments of my breakups and my and my heartache and everything that led me to 2011 the, the 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 day that I gave my life to the Lord and I found out that the girl I was dating started dating a coach in my high school and that that was the catalyst that brought me to finally surrender my life. All of those moments the Lord was with me. And so often we can think that, Oh, the Lord's not with me when I'm going through all this all this 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 turmoil and what can feel like as 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 a as a literal hell in our life. But in reality, the Lord is with us. Growing up, especially, I listened to a lot of Tupac and a lot of Biggie, a lot of hip hop artists, uh, a lot of a lot of just. Um, in in reality, if you look at them, they were, they were really were writing poetry. But it was it was it was something that could so easily be dismissed as something as you know um, what could be considered gangster rap or something that is just so foul. And, and dirty, which in, in reality a lot of it is. But what I want to challenge us today is to look at things not as a, a separation of of holy and not holy, as something that is uh, is dirty or not dirty, or look at something as good as bad. But instead, to look at every single thing and say, okay, what can I learn from this? Um, this is from the notorious B. I. G. He's he was a uh, a very well known rapper in the '90s, and he ultimately died. Um, he died. Kind of uh, wrapped around a lot of the a lot of the turmoil within that movement in the 90s, but he has this quote, and I want to read this quote because there's something there's a nugget in here that we can learn from, and this goes into the next quote that I also want to read as well. But as I read this, I want you to think about what this person is talking about is so real to them that they are putting it out there they are literally doing nothing different than someone who would who, who would write your, your the, the poem that means so much to you and in reality he's speaking to people who can relate with him because if people could not relate with what he's saying it would not sell it would not have he would not have become as well known as he did so the fact that he became well known the fact that he became very successful was that people were related Relating with him. And maybe you cannot relate with this. Maybe I can't relate with this. But the fact that other people do should show us something that that because other people can relate with this, there's something we can learn from this in order to be able to relate with them as well. Especially if you're a follower of Christ, we need to be able to relate with the broken. It doesn't mean that we have to ourselves go through what they've been through, but we should be able to expose ourselves to the brokenness around us. Why? For one, it will give us the heart needed to do something about it and to be Christ in that brokenness, to love others in their brokenness, and also to, to do and use our resources to make broken beautiful and to, to, to be able to, to produce a life out of death. And, and that's exactly what Christ did. And through Christ, we can do that as well. And so I want to read this quote. And um, this comes from the notorious B.I.G., also known as Biggie, but he says this, when I die, I want to go to hell. Because I'm a piece of trash and it ain't hard to tell. It doesn't make sense going to heaven with the goody-goodies. Dressed in white. I like black tims and black hoodies. God will probably have me on some real strict stuff. Hanging with the goody-goodies, laughing in paradise. Forget that. I want to tote guns and shoot dice. Because all my life I've been considered as the worst. Lying to my mother, even stealing out of her purse crime after crime from drugs to extortion i know my mother wished she had got an abortion she don't even love me like she did when i was younger i wonder if i died with tears even come to her eyes forgive me for my disrespect forgive me for my lies i promise god i just want to slip my wrist and end this throw a magnum to my head threaten to pull it and squeeze until the bed's completely red i'm glad i'm dead a worthless buddha head the stress is building up. I can't, I can't believe. Suicide's on my mind. I just want to leave. I feel like death is calling me, but nah, he won't understand. Reading this, except for just hearing it in a song, but actually reading it as, as poetry in a way. There's There's one or two things that are going on in this. There could be a lot of things going on, but there's one or two things that come to my mind when I read this. For one, he can either just be rhyming this just to rhyme it. Or for two, this could be really how he is feeling, and he's putting it in a way that is relevant and raw to where he's at. When I look at this, I see a genuine person, a soul that is crying out. I see brokenness, because honestly, some of this I can relate to. I can relate to feeling like a failure. I can relate to feeling like, you know, that, that yeah, maybe it's best that I i wasn't born. Maybe it's best that I'm not even here now. You know, and, and what he said at the very beginning is, is so profound because I meet a lot of people with this misconception about God and about heaven and about all that stuff, but they kind of think about it as as kind of compartments just like we all do. And so when I read that very first line, when I die, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of trash. I ain't hard to tell. For him to say something like that, that is how he is feeling. He is equating. If I go to heaven, then I have to be good. I have to be, you know, I have to be a goody-goody, which he's saying, look, I, I, I'm not, I'm clearly not goody-goody material. And what he didn't understood, understand what he didn't understand was the fact that in order to have a relationship with God, you didn't have to be a goody-goody. If anything, you had to admit, look, I know I know that I am nothing apart from you. I know that I've blown it. I am broken. And what I wish that Biggie would have known was that that brokenness wasn't something that, that he had to make his identity. The brokenness wasn't what, what should have defined him. And the Lord wasn't dis, dis, dis removed from that brokenness. But if anything, the Lord knows the brokenness. The Lord, when, 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 when Jesus was walking here on earth, people looked at him as if he was a piece of trash. And honestly, they put him on the cross because they thought of him. We thought of him as a piece of trash. We thought of him as a fraud, of a phony. We thought of him as a, as a scam artist. We didn't see who he really was. And so when I look at this, I see how, how big he, and honestly, he was in good company, that everything that he was talking about, the Lord can relate to. And in the Hebrews, it talks about how, how Jesus has been through everything that we have been through, yet he was without sin. So he can empathize in our weakness. And that's something that always stands out to me. That I wish, I wish Biggie would have known that. And going off that and this whole idea of, of patchwork and, and how sometimes we compartmentalize um, the Lord from, you know, good and bad and, and holy from unholy. And sometimes we try to put God in a box and put our lives in a box just trying to make a bubble of things that make us feel good or safe or secure. But in reality, we have a creator, savior, and sustainer. When Jesus lived and walked, he went into the brokenness to the point that all the people that thought of themselves as holy— Thought of himself as as devaluing himself, or or you know, why is Jesus eating with prostitutes? Why is he eating with sinners? Why is he why is he talking with them? Why is he allowing them to touch them? Touch him, you know? Why is he healing the sick? Why is he why is he having empathy and sympathy on the broken? And, and when I look at that, I, I see as, as followers of Christ, we should not look back on the things of our life that made us who we were and, and, and see that as something that is as a burden or something that we, we should, you know, uh, you know, lock away in the darkest chambers. But instead, we can look at it and see how, Lord, you were with me every step of the way. And and even now, when I go into my day to day life, I should not put myself in a bubble of what feels safe. But instead, I should constantly be seeking God. Give me a heart that breaks over what breaks your heart. God, help me see brokenness as you see it. Help me not be afraid to go into brokenness to learn from that. To to open up my worldview. To hear from people who feel marginalized or 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 disenchantment or or or, or even hurt except for having so many opinions of of somebody taking a knee on a football field, when was the last time we stopped to listen to his perspective, to listen to where he's coming from? And that's just one example. This one example. I do not want to be a man that, that fails to listen to someone else because it does not line up with my worldview. If, if I, If I have a creator, savior, and sustainer that goes far beyond my beliefs or my emotions or circumstances, then that means even when I'm in brokenness, even when I'm in a broken place, even when I'm around other people in a broken place, they cannot make me dirty. If if really what the Bible says is true. And that we are washed white as snow through Jesus Christ and through his word. And that he is renewing us day by day by day. And he's chiseling away the part of us that does not look like him. And he's making us into a beautiful masterpiece. And as we surrender to him, he uses us for his plan and purpose. If that's the case, then for me to avoid brokenness, for me to avoid people who feel like this, or to not listen to them, just because it doesn't line up with me, I would be missing the point. Because I guarantee you, Jesus would have listened to the prostitute. And he did. He would have listened to the tax collector. Now, he, he never once compromised truth. Don't get me wrong. He never compromised truth. He told them what was right and what was wrong. But the way that he did it was through love and through mercy and through empathy and through, through inviting them into his world. The last thing I want to read is this. As we close, I want to read this from a uh, from a quote um, from from a band a band that's, that that the Lord has used in my life a lot to to help me help me see things from a from a bigger perspective. And um, this band, the name of this band is Switchfoot, and the lead singer the lead singer John Foreman. I consider him a lot um, in my mind like a C.S. Lewis, um, someone who can take. Just, just things all around, around us in our day-to-day lives, and be able to point it towards a bigger picture, and um, and one that would 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 not dare hesitate to uh, to proclaim the name of Christ. But something happened within the band of Switchfoot. Um, that that is really interesting. Um, they started to be labeled as a Christian band, and you might have heard that label thrown around before. Um, like, oh yeah, I only listen to Christian music, or yeah, that's a Christian band. And and around this time, it was around like two thousand four, two thousand you know five. Um, it started getting thrown around that okay, yeah, Switchfoot is a Christian band. Where in reality, everyone in Switchfoot were Christians and are Christians, but their heart was not to just make music for followers of Christ, but to be able to make music to reach out to those who are broken and that are lost and that are feeling marginalized and feeling oppressed and and, and everything. And so they started getting this this thing thrown around um, in the sense of, uh, yeah, you know, are you a Christian band? Are you a Christian band? Because a lot of your songs don't name Jesus specifically, but, you know, a lot of your songs, you know, I could tell you're kind of talking about it, but I just want to, you know, clear it up once and for all and he he says this quote and this quote has a lot to do with what we talked about and this is what i want to end with and this is something i want to encourage you to think about in your own life where in our lives where in your life maybe have you put this dichotomy of of holy and unholy and and good and bad and and putting all these compartments in in your life of saying look i'm just going to put myself in a bubble and surround myself with things that make me feel good but instead i'm i'm going i'm not going to expand out of that and listen to those that maybe think a little different than me. And this is what he says. When they were asked, hey, is Switchfoot a Christian band? This is what John Foreman said. He said this. To be honest, this question grieves me because I feel that it represents a much bigger issue than simply a couple of Switchfoot tunes. In true Socratic form, let me ask you a few questions. Does Lewis or Tolkien mention Christ in any of their fictional series? Are Box satanas Christian? What is more Christ-like? Feeding the poor, making furniture, cleaning bathrooms, or painting a sunset? There is a, sch- there is a schism between the sacred and the secular in all of our modern minds. The view that a pastor is more Christian than a girl's volleyball, volleyball coach is flawed and heretical. The stance that a worship leader is more spiritual than a janitor is condescending and flawed. These different callings and purposes further demonstrate God's sovereignty. Many songs are worthy of being written, and Switchfoot will write some, Keith Green, Bach, and perhaps yourself, have written others. Some of these songs are about redemption, others about the sunrise, others about nothing in particular, written for the simple joy of music. None of these songs has been born again, and to that end, there is no such thing as a Christian music. No. No. Christ didn't come and die for my songs. He came for me. Yes, my songs are a part of my life. But judging from scripture, I can only conclude that our God is much more interested in how I treat the poor and the broken and the hungry than the personal pronouns I use when I sing. I am a believer. Many of these songs talk about this belief. An obligation to say this or do this does not sound like the glorious freedom that Christ died to afford me. I do have an obligation, however, a debt that cannot be settled by my lyrical decisions. My life will be judged by my obedience, not my ability to confine my lyrics to this box or that box. We all have a different calling. Switchfoot is trying to be obedient to who we are called to be. We're not trying to be an audio adrenaline, YouTube POD, or Bach. We're trying to be a switchfoot. You see a song that has the words Jesus Christ is no more or no less Christian than an instrumental piece. I've heard lots of people say Jesus Christ and they weren't talking about our redeemer. You see, Jesus didn't die for any of my songs. So there is no heredity, there is no hierar- there is no hierarchy of life or songs or occupation, only obedience. We have a call to take up our cross and follow, we can be sure that these roads will be different for all of us, just as you have one body and every part has a different function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each of us belongs to the others. Please be slow to judge brothers who have a different calling. The point of this episode is to encourage you that no matter where you're at, no matter the chaos in your life, that may we stop looking at where we're at in the chaos and, and at times thinking, Lord, you are not in this. You can't be in this. You can't be in this. How can you be in all this chaos? I've clearly made a mess out of my life, but in reality, the Lord is with you even in the darkest, darkest, darkest times. And he is after our hearts. He loves you so much that He is coming alongside of you, no matter where you're at, he will not give up on you. Even those moments that maybe you have misconceptions about him. Maybe those moments where you feel like Biggie or you feel like people who or Nicole Norderman who said, look, you know, I, I, I look back and, and I, I try to see, you know, where you're at. But in reality, I, I see that you were with me, even the places I thought you would never be. The darkest of dark, you were there. It was like light to you. And so as we go on today, may we start to look at this world and this day differently. The people we meet, no matter what they believe, no matter their opinions on various things, may we listen more. May we, may we bring them into our world, but not only just bring them into our world, may we enter into their world. May we see them as persons and people that are made in the image of our creator, and that we can learn something from them, even when we feel like we can't at all. May we stop trying to, to teach others, but instead listen and allow us to be taught by others. May the word of God be the foundation of our life, not our opinions of it. May truth of the word of God be, be what, what, what leads us into the day, instead for us and our feelings and circumstances. That the patchwork of our life is, 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 is a beautiful, beautiful work of art that is being made even in the moments that we, we are unaware of him working in our lives. May we surrender to him today. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, thank you that you were with me when I was in my room and I was just writing lyrics, no matter how profane the lyrics were and and how many emotions I was processing. Lord, you were with me there and you you were developing a heart within me that later you would refine. But Lord, you never gave up on me. You never gave up on me, Lord. Even when I was not who you, who you made me to be at all, you saw the potential in me, Lord. You looked at the shell of a man I was, and you saw the beauty that you would produce within me, even when I had no idea. And Lord, likewise, there's so many people right now that are listening to this and watching this that right now, they don't know where you're at. They don't know where you've been because they look back at their life. And maybe they see chaos. Maybe they're living in chaos right now. But God, please allow them to see that you are with them and that you will not give up on them and that you will, you can redeem all things. You can redeem the most profane moments and you can redeem the most beautiful moments as well. But Lord, truly, you are the one that produces and gives us life, not us, not our good days and not our bad days, not the moments that we get it and the moments that we blow it. But Lord, you are faithful. You go far beyond our ability to measure up, Lord. But you have made a way for us to come to you and to know you, to know you, no matter the chaos in our life. Jesus, thank you for what you've done on the cross. Help us surrender to you knowing that you are just as alive and living and active in our lives right now. And you invite us to work and partner with you as you work and do a, do a work of art within our hearts, Lord. In your name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen.